Ladies and gentlemen. What are you doing? What do you mean? I'm making Just keep it simple. I'm making the promo. Just keep it simple. Just say, hey, we're the Bravo Bros. Two guys that talk about Bravo. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, we're the Brav Bros. No. Oh. Dude, stop with the voice. Just the vo- keep it simple. I've seen promos on TV, dude. This is how you get the fans engaged. This is how you get listeners. We're trying to get listeners here. If we just say, oh, we're two dudes that talk about Bravo, people are going to get tired of it already. We need some oomph. All right, then fine. Let's try to do it with your voice. Brav Bros. Good job. Morning, everyone. Betsy, um, passionate World Talk Radio. I have a very special guest with me today that I am honored to have on. I followed Vince Zangario since October 2017. I was very impressed of how he was taking care of his dad, and Vince reminded me of my son Josh. And I would like to welcome Vince to chatting with Betsy. Hi, Vince. Hey, Betsy. Thanks for having me on. You're welcome. Thanks for coming on. I forgot to mention, Vince is also head of the Alzheimer's Music Fest, which you started. And what would you like to talk about this morning? Well, yeah, I'm the Community Outreach Director of Dementia Spotlight Foundation, the founder of the Alzheimer's Music Fest. And... Um, that's, I guess we're pretty open this morning. I guess everybody's kind of going through something we've never gone before. And I feel right now as caregivers and their um, loved ones and care partners are going through this, we've always, I think we've always felt some isolation, a lot of isolation. And now with what we're going through, we're feeling it even more from the outside world. Yeah. With the way the world is right now with the coronavirus. Yes, I totally agree. It's I feel like, you know, as a former caregiver, I could do self-isolation standing on my head. Um, you know, when people abandon you, you do feel isolated. And I thought it was a very wise decision for the Alzheimer's Music Fest to be postponed to a later date. Yeah, it was a hard one. I was already out in Tampa, but we were watching this very seriously. And um, I kind of had a, I didn't, you know, of course, I didn't realize this was going to happen. But, um, you know, I brought that up pretty several weeks before that, that it was going to affect the fest probably. And then, of course, we didn't see what was about to happen, of course. And so we really had to come together, um, Whitney Ullman, our CEO, and Gary Volk, our education director out there in Tampa, um, and we had to, yeah, we had to make a choice, and I think we made the right one. And it was weird right when we met, made that decision, you saw so many businesses starting closing. You know, uh, more, I would say, New York, of course, where it's been really um, highly affected, and Washington, and so forth. And then we were in Tampa, but it was starting to spread, of course, and the cases were going up, and we were leaving Georgia to Tampa. So um, I think we did the responsible thing, but look forward to um, throwing it. Um, when we find the right date, when we all kind of get through this unknown that we're living in right now? Yes, I live in New Jersey, which the area I live in is about, I'm about a half an hour away from Staten Island, which is a a borough of New York uh, City. And New York was declared a hotspot for the Corona-19 virus. And they 
I heard on the news this morning, anyone even traveling through New York needs to quarantine themselves for 14 days. And they're yep. also concerned about the people who go from New York to Florida every winter. Yep. Taking the virus yep. with them. That's where we just had a conference call this morning and Gary's out there in Florida. I'm in Georgia based in um, Georgia outside Atlanta. And, um, you know, even seeing arcade, this is, you know, it's, it's, you know, again, it's unknown. I think if everybody and, you know, it's our leaders do the right decision, close down for a few months and do it the right way, hopefully, you know, in a, you know, you know, hopefully in a month or two, maybe we can start um, slowly going back to normal, but we don't know that yet. And I think that worries and scares a lot of people. And I think we really just need yes. to listen to our scientists on this. Vince, how did you start the Alzheimer's Music Fest? Um, well, right. Well, I've been a musician um, my whole life. And so, you know, I do, you know, a lot of, you know, a lot of music growing up. I continue to play music. And so when I was, I cared for my dad for 14 years. Um, he was diagnosed at 62. I was 29 when I became his full-time caregiver. Um, I like to take care of partner, of course, because I think your partners and those are those, the folks that you care for. Um, and, you know, there was nothing there. You know, we went through the stage where we were pretty, um, we didn't know what was going on. We thought, you know, we kind of lived in ignorance until it got a point where we didn't live in ignorance anymore. And I really use the word ignorance because I was very young. My grandfather had it, my dad's dad, but we didn't, you know, we thought kind of like other people that it was just going to be memory issues. We didn't realize. Um, the, I guess transitions were to come where dad got less mobile and not able to feed himself and take a shower and clothe himself and the verbal compromise. And I got just lost a lot of friends. Um, I didn't handle things always so right. You know, I was 29, 30 and my friends still wanted to be cool and make a lot of money. And so did I. And I had to be in this whole different world of adulthood and which I'm so glad I thought that was the gift my dad gave me that many of my friends my age did not understand what we were going through. And I was not great at communicating that. And even when I tried to communicate that, they didn't quite understand. There's no fault of their own. Um, I think a lot of people go through this. It's not even the age. I think it's just, you know, people don't realize what people go through with dementia and being a care partner for an extended period of time, what that can do to a family, you know, good in some ways, but also very hard in many ways. So, people steer away from it and don't show up anymore. So I thought, well, hey, why don't I create something that'll bring a community together since I've done music so long. And in 2012, I started planning the Alzheimer's Music Fest and was working with a small nonprofit. I didn't really like working with, I was trying to reach out to the larger nonprofits and just say it just was not for me. I didn't really know I wanted to help people right here and right now and um, provide respite care and things that insurance, people don't realize insurance doesn't cover in many cases. And so, and that's why we did it. We started that out and then it just started growing from there. And now, well, what, in 2020, and now we hold two of them a year and one in Tampa and one in um, Atlanta now, and we just partnered with Live Nation in Atlanta. So we're kind of pursuing the outcome after what we're going through comes, but that's where we're at today. And our main objective is, to create awareness, education, resources right here, right now, really bring those resources to them, whether it's respite care, and then Atlanta, we're able to partner with Kodak and bring medical equipment 
because as many people know, when they go through this, or even if you have great insurance and your loved one has great insurance, they're not going to cover these things. Right. I think what you're doing, Vince, I admire you so much. I think it's, you know, wonderful because you took a disease, which of course has negative effects on people, but it could also have positive, and you took a tragedy and turned it into a positive. And this is what I try to tell people. You know, this disease can make or break you. It can make you a better person or a bitter person. You know, it's our choice. And I so admired your journey with your dad and you posting pictures and writing your story. It reminded me so much of Josh, my son, with his dad. And I love the picture that you have of you and your dad walking hand in hand. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. I remember you saying that, you know, you felt the little country. And so did Josh, my son, felt uncomfortable holding his dad's hand, but then he became used to it. And yeah, it just I, I know an Josh, a better yeah. person. Yes. No, yeah, I yeah. mean, and it, it, actually that touch and, you know, especially when you get through this, as you know, and you've had great loss and gain through this, I know that. And we've went through similar experiences. I know hospice and other things like that. And, you know, once you start doing that, you know, you rely more on almost a sense of touch, a sense of being there mm -hmm. instead of the verbal communication. So yeah. even kind of holding someone's hand or just laying your hand on their shoulder where they can see you or having direct eye contact with them where you're not overshadowing the person that you love and caring for. I think a lot of that is nonverbal way of caring. And I think, um, believe it or not, I think many care caregivers become experts in that without even knowing it. Yes. I've learned uh, so much from the difference actually between Matt's mom and dealing with Matt when I first moved in with Matt's mom, we didn't know she had dementia. And then when we found out it was like, I, I was a licensed practical nurse. I didn't know anything. We weren't taught anything about Alzheimer's. So I say my mother-in-law took me to Alzheimer's school and there wasn't much information 20 years ago like there is now. So, yes, I'm, I'm sure it had to be frightening for you as a 29-year-old. Well, you know, I look back at now, and in, in a weird way, you know, I look at these little ones caring for, the, you know, each other in their elder years, and that's got to be so hard. You know, like I feel at least, you know, at the point where I was at, it was very different. Like I had to grow up real fast, you know, it, but it was also like it was a good thing. I really – I don't know if I'd be alive today because I was kind of – you know, I was a rock and roll guy and I was experimenting with, you know, drugs and drinking too much alcohol and, you know, and all that kind of stuff that not every, you know, musician does, but I think we all have our phases. Most of us have our phases in that and enjoying that lifestyle. And I truly think that saved my life. And I don't think I'd be with my wonderful wife today if it wasn't for my dad. I had major commitment issues, Betsy. Major commitment issues. And I think um, my dad gave me the cap capability to find love within myself in return being able to give that to him and to my wife. Uh, yes, 
I have found with my experience, especially with Matt more than my mother-in-law, because Matt was my husband, of, you know, that unconditional love. And Josh, also you experienced this. You're showing love to cannot do anything for you in return. And you don't expect it. You do it out of pure love. And you learn things about yourself. And you, actually, I found myself um, with Matt's journey. I really did. I mean, I was this quiet, shy little girl, Vince, <laughs> from New Jersey. Yeah, you're not that anymore, but... Betsy, and I love it. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> no, and, you know, Alzheimer's, the way we were treated in the medical community, because Matt was young, um, not the doctor's not realizing Yes, you can have Alzheimer's at 56 years old. It made me so angry. I had to put aside my own insecurities. I just went in my car and I started doing videos, (laughs) hoping somebody would hear me. And eventually, thank God, Jeannie White heard me and the rest is history. But, I mean, it's just, um, you know, this is why I do this show. I want to share my experience with people to help people. Not that I'm an expert. I just want to help people. And I love when people such as yourself come on and share your story because we all learn from each other. And you're just a great role model of turning a negative into a positive. I mean, look, the Alzheimer's Music Fest is phenomenal. And I just was so... I can't help but say it was inspired and, you know, touched by your, your story. Uh, would you like to share how you met your wife, Amy? Um, yeah, actually, I had some rest. This was one of the last times we knew dad um, was not going to be able to go out to Jersey anymore. That's where um, most a lot of my family lives out in Jersey in Camden. And so before that happened, um, I needed to straighten some stuff up. I wasn't doing right. Um, I didn't, you know, I couldn't work anymore full-time because of being a care partner. I had to figure some stuff out. And all right, his Jersey family, which I call my Jersey family, which is my Aunt Jidge and, uh, or my Aunt Phil and my Uncle George and my Uncle Chick and Aunt Dee and Fran. Um, Fran's no longer with us, God bless her. Um, but we knew this was going to be the last time. So George, my Uncle George, picked him up. And so my dad was out there for two months saying kind of, Goodbyes. We knew he probably wouldn't be in Jersey, and he was around longer than that. But we knew they were getting older. Um, his brother, Uncle Chick, um, Frank, was showing signs of Alzheimer's, so they were going to have to kind of take over that part in Jersey. Um, and my aunt Phil and Chick and George, they're in their seventies, and so we knew this was going to be the last part. So I went out. Um, some people were getting me out of the house one time, and we went to this crazy pub I never go to. And my wife picked me up at the pub. <laughs> That's how I met her. And, you know, and announce that, you know, like, you know, uh, Amy, um, let's just say in kind of the music age, I, you know, I, I got to sow my wild oats, if you will, um, doing kind of what I did my whole life. And I'm not proud of it, but I, I went through mm-hmm. major, you know, kind of self-absorbed um, actions in my life. And it's not something I'm very proud of. I'll be honest with you, but it's something that did happen to me. So I try to take anything that did happen to me and try to relay that on future life events, not make those same mistakes. And 
Um, I was also dating someone else at that time. And so everybody was walking away. They just didn't realize, like, dad was my first party. So when he came back in town, Amy was there, and we became really good friends. And believe me, we had, ooh, it was hard. I would not, you know, she was amazing. She was a school teacher, so she had this empathy about her and this caring, this nurturing. And I was still trying to figure out that. And this was probably six years into that diagnosis. And we had our battles. I mean, I would kick her out of the house, Betsy. I'm like, I can take care of everything on my own. I don't want, you know, I would just, and I was still figuring it out because I didn't find our place yet. I did not find dad's in my place yet. You know, there would be really bad days where you got no sleep for, you know, weeks on end. Um, we were up and down. Dad would be, you know, he went through a combative stage. And, you know, trying, trying to figure that out. And, you know, you know, finally Amy looked at me, and I tried to do it so many times, and Amy looked at me, and she was like this. Basically, and I don't know if this is verbatim, but she was like, I'm not going anywhere. She's like, I love you. You're going to figure this out. And she was the one that stuck around. I, put, I tried to push so many people away. It was not just people were leaving me. I pushed so many people away. And it was because of her finding love in me. I think I, and my dad finding love in me, I fell in love with him myself. And kind of like you, I failed myself during this. And, but we had some major hard times. But now it's weird. Because Amy and I, not saying we don't get in little arguments here and there, but we have such open, honest communication that's very fast. Now, it's kind of like in five minutes, if we're in a fight, we talk about it. And we all go, oh, I did this, I did this, I can do this better, I can do this better. And to be honest with you guys, since we got through that, I think it's made, I, I, I mean, Amy is my girl. That's who I'm going to be with. She's my partner for the rest of my life. There's no doubt in my mind. And I don't think I would ever be able to do that if it wasn't for um, my dad and the situation we were in growing up and finding that love and commitment within loving something more than you love yourself. That is so beautiful. Uh, now, how long have you been married? Um, we are going on, man, we've been together since, what is it, tw- 12 or whatever. So we're looking at, geez, we're about eight years. And I think married for about six or seven, I believe. She's going to get mad at me. I know the anniversary, and I just can't do the math off the top of my head right now. But I always kind of look up when <laughs> we first okay. met and started dating, and, it's, and we've been together for probably about right at that nine-year mark. That's wonderful. Uh, I know from my own experience, Vince, and I have to say, God bless Amy, because that is a special person on has Alzheimer's and to stick by them is one of a kind. Um, a lot of relationships, a lot of marriages fall and crumble with this disease and they don't have to. This is the time for people to come together. I know with Matt's mom, um, our marriage was strained because I knew she, his mom had a problem, and Matt didn't want to face it, so we would be arguing all the time. And unfortunately, Matt made me the enemy. And then after his mom died and things started getting back to normal, Matt was diagnosed. And, you know, Matt realized that he was not so swift during um, those years, and he apologized for it. So when he 
was diagnosed, I still had this resentment that I had to let go of. Um, and I recommend, you know, for any couple, whether you're married or not, and you have a parent with any type of dementia, you know, go for counseling to help you deal with that and not make each other the enemy. Um, did you and Amy go for counseling of any kind? No, we didn't. We didn't. One, we didn't have insurance. We lost um, our insurance to this. We all had to kind of do. Um, she had to go to kind of um, private pre-K and not um, do. Um, I guess what we'd say, you know, like Cherokee County and actually being in the system of the state, um, just because we at that point, if say my back got hurt or I got a cold, you don't have a day off in this. And I would always say I was kind of the quarterback, and Amy was my defensive line. When it came to Pops, you don't have a day off. So we had to make sure that we had a schedule that we could still make our rent and mortgage. And believe me, my dad and I lost, you know, we had to walk away from a house. We had to figure everything out. And, you know, and I was making pretty decent money at that time, and I had to figure out. And through that time, before even my dad, I, you know, lost, you know, I left my job to start a business, losing that, and then I got diagnosed with Alzheimer's, so it was really hard to get off my feet because I couldn't leave him alone at that point. And then, again, at that point, there was not a lot of knowledge about this out there. Um, there wasn't hardly anything. I mean, this was, what, 2004, 2005. You know, you would see, you know, commercials for the Alzheimer's Association doing walks, but I would call the um, 1-800-HOTLINE, and I know they tried to do their best. I don't have anger, but I didn't really get anything out of that. So, again, why I kind of, you know, started the fest and then like formed with Whitney and Gary and um, we're doing Dementia Spotlight Foundation now. And, you know, we didn't. We didn't have that time. Our counseling was talking with each other, you know, like sitting there sometimes in tears. Like I'd be, I was very, no one's seen my vulnerable side as much as my wife has. You know, I kind of was raised by a man that was very stoic. Um always showed my feelings that Amy has really seen my, and now I'm an open book, of course, after this, but, you know, Amy's, you know, she saw the vulnerable side. And I remember when my dad had his first seizure, um, you know, caused by Alzheimer's and he um, started getting seizures. And I remember that's when I felt like I knew she was my person because what happened was, you know, I used to go to my mom. That was my safe place. And, you know, Bless my mom. She passed away pretty earlier on at 55 before any of this happened. She had rheumatoid arthritis and had massive heart attacks. I think they were over-medicating her, and at that point, they probably were. Um, we didn't have the kind of the pandemic we have right now with um, opioids and things like that. Doctors kind of gave them out like Tic Tacs at that point, especially for, you know, rheumatoid arthritis and autoimmune deficiencies. And I remember the only place I wanted to be was in Amy's lap, kind. And, you know, it was such a weird thing to see Dad Caesar. I didn't know what it was at the beginning. We got, you know, that happened about twice a year after that. But I was in such tears that I just, I couldn't help him. I just had to stand by him while the, you know, the doctors came in. And that's when I knew this was my person because I felt safe. She was yes. my home. She, I realized no matter where we were going to be at, she was going to be my home. That's beautiful. Uh, that is so beautiful. I, I told Matt, <laughs> I get emotional here. Um, I remember one day uh, Matt was crying. And Matt never cried. 
Matt never was one to show emotion, even before Alzheimer's. And I remember saying, Matt, what's the matter? Why are you crying? And he said, I hate the way I am. I hate this disease. And I said, Matt, I love you. And Josh loves you. And I understand why you, you know, hate this disease. We hate it too. But don't hate yourself because it's not something you choose to have. You didn't want this. And I think it's beautiful, Vince. And I even, you know, I'm so proud of my son to sh- for a man to show emotion and compassion is a beautiful way to be. And, and I wish more people would raise their sons to show compassion, that it's okay. And it doesn't make you weak. It makes you strong. It's a strong man who can cry and say, you know what? This I think that's a wonderful thing. You know, well, I think, you know, the tragedy. Well, especially when you go through something like this, I think, you know, the deep, you know, the depth's always been there. And I think that comes from my mom. Um, you know, but I think you try to fit in with society, right? Um, when you're younger, it's just right. part of it. You try to be kind of the herd, if you will, for lack of a better word. And, you know, somewhere I, you know, lost my freak flag, which I'm very proud of having my freak flag and how I think. And maybe it's on a deeper and maybe it's on a deeper basis that people don't understand and they want to talk about football and talk about sports, which is great. Go ahead and do that. That's not me. Um, it's not my thing. And I think he gave me when I started when, you know, I think it was a few years before we started um, seeing each other on Facebook, but I just, started writing a journal on Facebook and I, it was many years I think before a lot of people did. And I don't know why that is, or I didn't see it was just, I would just take videos all the time. Then Amy was around. I'm like, I'm going to talk about this. You know, I'm just going to talk about this. I wasn't a big Facebook guy before that in this journey. I just wasn't really into putting all my stuff out there. And, and then when we started doing that, you did slowly start, thing we weren't trying to get anything i just kind of used it i thought facebook was my journal i didn't know facebook was going to become like a twitter or whatever we have today i didn't know that i thought it was just a somewhere i could write because i write you know i write songs and original music and that's what i do i write and you know it's just i thought that was the way to have my therapy that was my counseling right like i was like let's put a message in a bottle and send it to me i almost thought about it Throw it out there. Maybe someone will get something out of it. You're going to get something out of it because same thing with the best. You know, I created the best, not necessarily. I wanted to help people, but not necessarily. I wanted to build a community that I could join in because I didn't know any other families with dementia or autism. I knew my family. I didn't know any other families. So I thought that would be just as good for me to do something good that I could help build a community that I could rely on. And it worked. And then when we got into this, it did become more about other families. Now, of course, now my dad transitioned where uh, his birthday is April 1st. And um, he died 10 days after his 76th birthday. That's coming up. It's two years. It does not feel like two years, does it, Betsy? It does not wow. feel like two years since he's been gone. Um, so, you know, 
anyway, so that's when, you know, now, like, joining forces with Whitney and Gary LeBlanc, and, you know, I've known these people forever. This is before we really worked together. We were just friends. We went through the same stuff. They were part of the people I met through, you know, putting it out there and starting the fest. And I always wanted to work and make sure that we could do respite and nonprofits. And they were on the same level with me, you know, where they wanted education, which was a part I was missing that, you know, they were really good at the education part, which I'm getting good at now by just, you know, hanging out with them. Um, you know, and at first I didn't want education with my father when I was care. I was like, I figured this out on my own. I don't need someone preaching at me, telling me what to do. That's not what they do. They just show you things that they've gone through and learned through you know, show you different dimensions and the diagnosis issues and the, even the death certificates. You know, Dad, I didn't have to fight too hard, but I had to fight to make sure Alzheimer's was on that death certificate when he was in home hospice. And that's very important that that was on there because you know our numbers yeah. are right. You know our numbers yeah, are right. Yeah, I made sure. Yeah, I made sure it was yeah. on that too. I told the doctor it, I want Alzheimer's yeah. on there. Well, that's a depressing thing to think about, but I was thinking about that. I'm like, this man has given 14 years, and through me, Mia has his vessel, has shared his story. I'm going to make sure, and he touched a lot of people. And I was like, you know, I'm going to make sure that we get these figures right. I'm mad about the figures. I know they're not correct. And even though they say, what, four people, four fifth leading causes, oh, whatever, you know it's way more than that. If yeah. people also don't realize this is not just, just what you touched base on before, this is not just an elder disease and right. you know people are getting diagnosed in their 30s it's a small percentage but 40s childhood you know you got now football right. players with what they're going through and boxers and head injuries and you know this is something and you know i probably both my dad's brother his two sisters both have dementia and alzheimer's um this is a family disease this is also genetic so i have you know, it's very relevant in my dad's side. So I probably have the cheese. And so right now they're not doing enough testing right now with that. And to be honest with you, at first I wanted to find out if I did have it. But now I'm kind of like I'm talking to people now that I work with, like Dr. Hill on em- or at Emory, just a doctor there, and other people. They're just not close enough to really pinpointing um, what if those even genetic texts work. You can find a gene, but are you going to get it? What nationality are you? We're just kind of far from that still with um, dementia. So, you know, it's one of those things that we're finally getting, you know, not even kind of getting there. I mean, with the diagnosis, whether you have Lewy body, frontal lobe, vascular, Alzheimer's, you know, people don't realize, you know, dementia as a whole is not the disease. It's everything that under the disease. Like that's just kind of the umbrella, right? Um, right. Of the symptom okay. and then the disease is the underlying. They're still not great at that. And that's frustrating that you can't get you know, normally, and I talk to so many people, that I'm sure you have, that they're like, oh, they diagnosed mm-hmm. my dad of dementia. They diagnosed my wife, my mom. And we know, what does that mean? What kind of dementia? What kind of medications are for that right. dementia? You don't necessarily want to give Aricept and Amenda to someone with Lewy body dementia. You don't, you don't know how they're going to, you know, so we're still so far. And I think, you know, yes, it's getting more... Um, I guess, awareness now, but we're so far. We're so far. And I don't want people to be doom and gloom. There is hope in all this. I think, you know, do I see a cure in my future? No. Um, But do I see better genetic testing? Yes. With better genetic testing, do I see 
more preventative measures, maybe to hold off the disease yeah. that's better than the aerosol. Remember, yes, I do see that. Um, I hope so. And more education. Yeah. yeah, there's more awareness. Matt, primary doctor, I think about, I want to say, two or three years ago, started to pre-screen for uh, dementia with me during the clock. And I said to him, well, too bad you didn't have this nine years ago. And his attitude was like, well, Betsy, there's nothing I could have done for men anyway. Nope. I mean, that's their, <laughs> that's their attitude. There's nothing well, you know, I could have done. Because, but you could have. I mean, there's, <laughs> you know, it's different. But, I mean, medically or maybe with pills, maybe not. You know, you could have got Aricept, Menda. And I think it did help my dad because he did have Alzheimer's. You know, he was diagnosed correctly, um, which we're very fortunate. But... At the same time, you can you can hold it off a little bit, but it's going to happen. It's going to happen. You know, this is what people don't realize. And people do. And I went through the same thing of going, there's a miracle out there. I'm going to use coconut oil all the time. Which, hey, dude, coconut oil is great for everything. <laughs> Go for it. Use it. I use but, that too. <laughs> yeah, you know, we. I'm sure you went through the same thing I did. You know, you're looking for the magic yeah. thing that's going to make something sparkle. And then your brain starts believing it's working. And sometimes, you know, coconut oil does work for some people, maybe, but it's not going to work for long. It's what it is. Again, I'm not trying to be a Debbie Downer, but I think the best thing that we can do as a society is really care for our loved ones that are going through this. Because I do think, you know, you say Alzheimer's, but I don't see faces. I see ads with balloons and things, and it, 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 it sort of ticks me off. That's not what this is. Yes. <laughs> You, you know, there's beauty towards it, but there's a lot of hurt and pain, and there's a lot of people that are facing it. And, you know, to feel hopeful, I think it's all of us coming together as a group. You know, when we first started talking, I'm like, dude, we're family. Everybody that has gone through this, we've never even met in person, I don't think. And have no. we met in person? Yeah. Mm-mm. And, um, no. you know, no. You're, no, we you're, yeah, you're, you're instant family you're just instant family when you're going through this because no one's going to know what you're going through except for those that have. And that's with many cases in life. But the problem with Alzheimer's mentions is I just don't think people think it's a big enough deal unless they live with it. You know, it's just it's very in the culture we live in. I don't know why, but I think it's just it's kind of pushed aside a little bit. Again, it's getting better, but people don't know. You know, you can't tell these things by the commercials that you see. You can't tell what's really happening they've gotten better in some movies i think they're trying but they're not really showing the full scope of what this is and you know it's just it's really just a family disease and i see so many families get broken up by this i see so many just like you said couples um you know friendships you know it's just it's one of those things people on the outside can't look in and understand they can't, and we have not, you know, we have not as a community yet maybe provided for that or maybe people don't have empathy enough to come look in and not just see what they see and not see what other people see. I have empathy for everybody because of that. So I can see someone with um, MS or with any kind of disease, and I have pure, I go on and research as much as I can. I ask questions to them, and I talk to them about it. And I think people really like, I, you know, I think people really love that, that I actually, actually can't give a crap. 
And yes, I want to be um, educated on anything my friends or family are going through, or anything that touches me, I want to be educated on. And I guess yes, that was that's how I feel. I was, yeah. That's how I was. I, you know, 20 years ago at Matt's mom, I, you know, called up the Alzheimer's Association. The internet wasn't as big 20 years ago. Uh, even with Matt, 10 years ago with early onset, there wasn't much information. And uh, if it wasn't for his family history, I would have believed the doctors that it was depression when it wasn't. I mean, of course he was depressed. I mean, who wouldn't be in this situation? And Matt was on uh, Namenda um, and the uh, Exelon patch. And, you know, I had to learn about it. And what I, what I learned the most, Vince, was when I joined uh, Facebook in 2014, I started joining all these um, groups because yeah. it's, you know, caregivers who are learning from caregivers. Uh, that's how I met Marcia. I groups, and I just learned so much from other people, and I I think now it might be changing a little bit here in New Jersey. We have caregivers to caregivers from uh, Rutgers Behavioral um, Institute. My neurologist, his wife is a geriatric uh, psychiatrist, and he told me that she's now focusing on the and reaching out and preparing the family for what they're going to go through. Repeat that last part. You broke up a little bit. I'm sorry. Um, the uh, family, the doctor's wife is a, also a doctor, and she's concentrating on the family. No, the and family that, members. I, I think people are truly getting that. I think that is... And kind of with the support groups, it's the same thing. You know, now, you know, through what we're going through, you know, we're doing virtual online sports groups through the Zoom conference app. And we started it on Tuesday, and we were going to start it on April right after um, the fest, but that got canceled, of course, with what we're going through right now. We were like, okay, let's get on this and start it. And it was amazing to see how many people came on. And, you know, and now we're going to do two a week. And I think that's vital at this time. You need to communicate. You need to you need to learn from each other, and I've always believed that you learn just as much from other, you probably learn more from other people going through this disease than you can learn from anywhere else. I absolutely. I absolutely agree. I so did I'm post really, about so the I free webinar. Yeah, and then we got the, yeah, Gary Zuna's free webinar, which will be good. So we're doing the best we can with um, the space we're given right now. And, um, I'm really excited about it. You know, it's it's just a hard thing. It's, I don't feel like I'm excited about it, but, you know, it's another tool people can have because I know even without this going on, I know the last few years where I was caring for dad, his temperature wouldn't regulate right. So it would have to be – and I, not, I've met some people that go through that with Alzheimer's, but, like, if you would take him out and it was just 80 degrees, he could have a heat stroke and pass out, like, instantly. And we yes. have to be very careful, and he was unmobile, so – we had to, and I don't think people talk about enough about that because I've seen that, you know, quite a bit um, with Alzheimer's through my years. And that didn't happen to everybody, but it happens. And, you know, I couldn't get out to groups. I couldn't get out to, you know, caregiver cafes. I couldn't do that. So I think 
you know, Gary kind of really pioneered this with the Dementia Mentors Program that he has for people living with dementia. And then I kind of wanted to push it even further and go with the people that, um, you know, for care partners and caregivers. And I think it's a really good outlet. The hard part is some people are um, technology savvy, so I'm trying to work with them on that. Once you get it, it's a fairly easy program. I mean, you just press on it and enter. But some people still kind of get scared of the technology. But I think it's such a great resource to have if you can't get out of the house in any time because as care partners and people, you know, living in the dementia Alzheimer's community, we can't always jump and get out of the house and go to a support group. It doesn't happen. That's true. Very true. I know. I couldn't. Yeah, you got to plan a month and a half and pay respite care, which you're not getting, you know, insurance isn't covering in most parts unless maybe you have hospice or something like that, but in most parts they don't cover. And but you can't even do that. And to be honest with you, do you really want to do that when you do have maybe four or eight hours of respite? Is that what you really want to be doing? Maybe, maybe not. That's what I did on my time off, but I was doing the music festival. So that's what I geared most of my time off and playing in the band. So I just think it's important that everybody has just as many resources as we can do out there. And I really believe in doing it for free, you know? I mean, the best is how we make a, you know, raise the money for our respite through a program and, Florida and Georgia, and, you know, hopefully we get resumed here in the next few months and um, we can raise more money for those programs. But um, right now we all just were, you know, we've always been in this together, but at the same time where we're at right now, you know, even more so at this point. And then I hope when this passes and we figure this out somehow that um, we all stay the same way and stay kind. Because as you can see on Facebook, just, man, people, I even wrote a comment about it today, like people are just yelling. And I have my political views. I, I watch the news way too much, which you probably shouldn't be doing right now, especially if you have a loved one living with dementia. Probably should not have that news on it. It gets very stressful. But yeah. you know, I'm just getting sick of people sharing Facebook crap that is not true, and it's, they're not reading, they're not looking at the news, they're reading maybe things that aren't true, and and they're getting mad at each other again because – Right now, this is a human race thing, man. This ain't a politics thing. Right. People need to chill out, that's for sure. I mean, I, for one, um, I'm enjoying being home, getting my rest that I so desperately needed. Josh is not happy. There's no sports. He can't go to the movies. He can't hang out with his friends. But it's not permanent. That's what I keep telling him. Yeah, it's not, and we'll get through that. You know, the thing about, you know, America and the world, you know, I mean, I, I truly believe that people, you know, the majority of people are kind. And I think we'll, all, you know, just like we always do, we'll all come together. And then probably about a year and a half of that, we'll all start being buttholes to each other again. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's, that's, yeah cool. that's true. Not that's all true. of us, you know, I'm, I'm exaggerating, but, you know, go back to the way everybody was before, but, um, you know, that's what I kind of look at at this thing. You know, I'm nervous, you know, I'm, I'm nervous about it. You know, I think everybody is, but going through that is, you know, people losing jobs and things like that. You know, it's weird right. because this is so much that people living with dementia have already gone through or are going through on a daily basis is what the rest of the world. That's right. And I don't ever want to say that on Facebook or something like that, but. Um, how can people get in touch with you? Um, 
can they contact you through your Facebook page? And um, yeah, you, you can also um, go to the, page. Yeah, you go to the Mental Spotlight Foundation.org. That's where we have most of our resources listed. And then also, they can feel free to email me at Vince at the Mental Spotlight Foundation.org. Okay. And then also, I, I'm always good with anything. I mean, you'll get all of our numbers and everything off those places. And they can always, you know, look us up on social media. Okay. Um, thank you, Vince, so much for coming on my show and sharing your experience with me and talking about various topics. I appreciate you coming on, and I hope you could uh, come on again sometime. Anytime, Betsy. Thanks for having me. You're welcome. Folks, you heard Vince Angario, lovely person, and I just want to say, Vince called me two times after Matt had passed to see how I was doing, and that really deeply touched me. And I really um, do a post about the Alzheimer's Music Fest on my own page and on Kick Alzheimer's Ass and the, the Dementia Spotlight Foundation. Those are the only two groups that I really promote on my page because I love what they stand for. I love what they're doing. It's not about making profit. It's about helping people. And I suggest that you check out the page, Alzheimer's Music Fest. You can follow me on my page, Betsy Wurzel, W-U-R-Z-E-L. I post about, um, I share Vince's post about the information. And you're welcome to join the hashtag Kick Alzheimer's Ass Movement page where we accept people from all dementias, all walks of life. You don't have to be a caregiver. if You just want to be educated. Uh, Vince is also a member of the Kick Alzheimer's Ass Movement. And shine bright, folks. Be the light that you are. This is Betsy Wurzel, host of Chatting with Betsy and Passion World Talk Radio. Jeannie White is the producer. Thank you, Jeannie, for producing and writing the blog. And thank you to Lillian Caldwell for this wonderful radio station that gives people a chance to see you all. You'll hear from me next time. Bye-bye.